So a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So guys, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello everybody, welcome to another Chaos Corner podcast live. Uh, my name's Steve. Yes, yes, my name's Donovan. And uh, yet again, we are back with another live session. Um, this this format seems to be going quite well. Don, what you what would you say? Oh, I love it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a way, it's like a window to the world, isn't it? So yeah. you can actually speak to anyone, anywhere in the country or further. You it's know. pretty cool. Um, it's lockdown proof. It is, yeah. And we've had some great guests as well so far. Yeah. Um, and just just on that, just on the guest front, I just want to let everybody know that the previous episode that we did with Burbs from Burbo Couture is now up on all of the other podcasting streaming platforms, so you can go um, get that in your ears. Um, it was really interesting chat. Um, found out some cool things about Burbs I didn't even know. I thought I knew the guy, but I clearly didn't. There you go. So that was that was awesome. And tonight we have another guest with us, doing something that is an area I think we are both very into. Yes, yes, check. You can check that off the list. Very much into. So I'm going to I'm going to attempt the name now as I introduce him. We have we have Keen. I got that bit. McGillicuddy. Keen McGillicuddy. Is that right? Like I feel like we need a round of applause or something. Let's go. Hey, (laughs) you feel like you need a round of applause. Keen McGillicuddy. Well, can I do a bit of an intro before like, we go yeah, into it? You, you go for uh, it. Keen, oh, go on. Keen and myself go back uh, a long, long way. Uh, so obviously I've seen sometimes from afar the progression of you becoming like a fan of uh, film and a, a fan of TV uh, and then eventually developing into uh, a successful comedy writer and director. Uh, and it's just been really, really impressive to see. Uh, and I love your work. So I'm really thrilled that you've come on. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Is this where you're going to take credit now? Uh, thank <laughs> <laughs> yeah. credit for forming your uh, your taste and your... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I taught you everything I know, but well, that's okay. You know. To be honest, there are some things. I do have to give you credit for some things. You introduced me to Daft Punk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, actually, and, then, and, there, and for what led from that was like old school funk and stuff mm-hmm. as well, Motown and stuff, which I wasn't really aware of yeah. when I was a teenager. And that and that really, like, when you introduced me to that, that was like, shit, this is Like a light bulb moment, yeah. Yeah, this was like, you know, and I, you know when you're a teenager and you try and plug yourself into things? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is my thing, but it, it just isn't. It's, you know, it's not natural until we- finally you get it. And, you, and that was it for me. 
we touched on this last week. Uh, when you're young, you, you try to people please quite a lot because you're trying to find your niche and your group of people that you that are your family that you fit into. Yeah. Uh, as you get older and you get more confident and comfortable in your own skin, you care about that less and less as the years tick by. So if you yeah. like something and someone says that's not popular, yeah, <laughs> you know, or it is popular because if you're yeah. going to be a hipster, it can't be popular. If yeah. it is popular, if it's pop. Doesn't matter. It matters less and less as you get older. Yeah, you, yeah, you just not bother. But that yeah. that informed a lot of my taste, and so things. So like, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Like one of my big projects, Top Coppers, was yeah. a real sort of funk type sound. Throwback, wasn't it? Like that, the whole thing is scored. There's layered, layered with like loads of original funk scoring, and that really came from that love of that. Like, and I wanted to do something with that. In so you could probably claim that. <laughs> I am trying to claim nothing. <laughs> there you go. Right, okay. Well, let's kick off with what we always kick off when we have a guest on, which is uh, intros. So when we did our first ever uh, podcast, just Steve and myself, um, we thought it was an intro podcast, an intro to Chaos Corner. So we decided that we were going to try to uh, to lock off and nail down uh, our top, was it three? Well, it was our top three, but that was too hard. Yeah, we tried, we tried, to, we tried to lock in our top three movie uh, and song intros. Uh, I must apologise. I usually make guests aware of this beforehand. <laughs> I thought it'd be more interesting to just throw it onto you. Okay. Um, no, but it doesn't have to be a top three. Just what pops into your head when you think about great, inspiring intros for film and songs generally? Inspiring intros. Okay. I mean, well, my my biggest iconic film for me of all time, my favourite film still is Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even that was even my favourite film when it wasn't cool to like something as obviously popular as Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just always has been. Um, and so the intro, I always remember the intro to that. So that was the um, the Velociraptor cage. You remember when it when it all yeah. goes wrong, the guy gets pulled in. And obviously, as a kid, you see that, you know, like, I was like 11 or 12 years old. It's like, oh, my God. That's... There's a lot going on. It's fear. It's excitement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's everything all in one. Um, um, so that was, that's a big one. Uh, it's a, the intro is, oh, God, you have dr- dropped it on me. It's a tough mm. one. It is a tough yeah. one. But, you know, like uh, when you get to a disco oh. and, that, and the intro comes on. Not necessarily just the disco, but you, you you hear a song, it starts, and within the first three seconds, you're like, I'm up. This is my job. Yeah, well, not not just because you said disco, but Disco Inferno. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it's one of those facts, because that, that intro is unbelievable. Um, yeah. In the same vein, then, I'd also say uh, Grease is the Word. So the, yeah. the proper theme. I love that song. Um, I love that song. Harry did that one? Yeah. Uh, no, it was actually by uh, quite unknown. You mean the theme music to the? To yeah, the main theme tune. All yeah, the time. yeah. I, I think he's he's not that well that he's not that well known, but that is my favourite song on in the movie, and it's not yeah. one of the actual. No, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's by far the best song. It's such a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. That is a good one. That is yeah, a good that one. does it. Um, that does it. And what else? That's just, I have to go. Oh, um, probably uh, September by Earth, Wind and Fire. I, I think he's, he's not that well. He's not that well. Oh, I got a minute. What's going on here? Song. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I, <laughs> no, it's all right. The, uh, the, the computer came on with sound then uh, in the background. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
<laughs> Steve, you got boxing gloves on. I'll, say, I'll turn that off. I don't know what happened. I didn't know if that was my interior monologue that I was just hearing out loud. <laughs> okay, that you do, you've done well voices. there. You've done well there, Key. You've yeah, done yeah, really well there. Not yeah. bad for being on the spot. But yeah, on the hop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, very good. Okay, so. Um, let's get into the I meat think, and potatoes. Yeah, let's get to it. Now, what I really want to know about is uh, obviously. Firstly, influences. Um, I've obviously gone through your bio, and there's some really interesting things in there of like you having a knowledge. Um, and I was thinking about trying to test it and just throw a few out there. And your knowledge of uh, years that films were shot, I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, years that films came out. So basically, I spent such a long time as a as a kid in the video shop. Mm. Um, so uh, obviously, grew up in Starbridge. It was a tiny little video shop, GCL Video. I think like now a laundrette or something. Um, but that was like where I spent like so much of my childhood. And literally I could be in there for hours just reading the backs of the cases. I bet they loved you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guy got to know me. It was weird. It was like, you know, was like my weird uncle or something. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, yeah, he just was happy to let me just browse for all that time. But I was just reading the backs, seeing what, you know, what the roles were like who did what and linking them saying oh that's the same names i saw in that one and work out what's that what's director photography what does that mean because it's sort of pre-internet as well so you don't you can't just google something and find yeah. out you have to, like yeah. ask someone and find a book or something so so you're trying to work out stuff in time and um and i i've only found in recent years my writing partner andy kinnear he uh he spotted it i don't know what how it came up but something about mentioning what year certain films came out he discovered that my only like sort of party trick if you could even call it that <laughs> is that most of the popular films in 80s and 90s i i just know what year they came out and i don't know why it's like metadata in my head <laughs> that i've just taken in from reading all of these videos all the time <laughs> um, hey, hey, really well or sometimes i just have a bad run and people go well that was complete bollocks what do you make that up for so, you know, <laughs> go either way. I've never been so impressed by such a mundane talent. <laughs> no, really, the first time I met my girlfriend, it came up then. And, and I thought, oh, God, well, that, that's done it, isn't it? And yeah. then when we had a date, uh, our first date, she came with a list of, like, 20 films. <laughs> with the year the one. I thought, the one. this is the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like See? that. Uh, what did you say, mate? Sorry, okay. No, I like that. I like that. You, you know if they're going to, yeah. I was actually expecting you there, Donovan, to do what you did to me the once and spring some surprise pop quiz on him. Oh, we're not finished yet. Oh, right. oh okay. <laughs> he, did, uh, he, did, he did that to me once and I was like... <laughs> what do you think I keep looking down at my phone? Yeah. Well, films. I tell you, what, why... Why was that interest there in the first place? Why were you reading the backs of these things? Why did you want to know who, what a director of you know photography or cinematography was, or why was there that even? Why was that even a thought at that stage? I'm trying to think of like where the sort of obsession came from. I don't know. I think like when I was really young, but apparently my favourite film um, was Mary Poppins which is, I still would say is in my top five films of all time now. Um, I think it's like, amazing. And I used to be obsessed with watching that and like 
Und uh, <laughs> my, uh, I've got um, siblings in Ireland, um, half siblings. And one of my, my my sister from over there was over visiting once, and she came downstairs, found me. I think I was about seven years old, completely butt naked, dead of winter on the sofa eating ice pops. You know, like like uh, you know, like cola. Pops, yeah, yeah, Mr. Freeze. You know, Mr. Freeze. That's it. Yeah, yeah eating them <laughs> about about seven in the morning, completely naked, watching Mary Poppins on the loop. And apparently I was just sitting there shivering, like really enjoying the first part watching Mary Poppins. Um, <laughs> um, but we still don't tend to do so much anymore. Uh, well, know, yeah, not since like 2011, 12, maybe, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, and so I think, so I was always obsessed with like, with watching uh, films, just love films. And I don't really know, I don't know why, because no one in my family works in buffs, yeah. You know, or in the film industry, so it wasn't an influence in that way. Um, just, uh, just that was the thing that got my attention, and I always loved it as like a hobby. And I'd make little shorts and stuff as a kid, like and like wrote my brothers into it. My younger brother Tiger used to like acting a lot, so he was always willing to be the star. Um, and uh, and so we would, like, we once went on holiday and um, got one of those. Uh, Lilos, like inflatable lilo, but it was an alligator shaped one. Um, classic alligator lilo that came home with us, so brilliant. That became the star of Gator, and then Gator 2, he's back. Uh, <laughs> two, two sort of like ridiculous B movies. But I remember, like, even like working out the shots of what would be a dramatic shot, and I don't know whether it's just because I was copying something I'd seen in a film or but like we put the camera like on its head. And so you just had the, the nose, like of the alligator coming at the bottom of the frame, and then that would be his like POV shot going around. Yeah. And so we'd go into a room, and my brother would be there and go, "Oh no, oh no, don't do this!" You know, you know, really panicking. You know. Great. I mean, they were awful, but it was great fun. Yeah. Why is this reminding me of you, Steve? I am. I, and, I, I uh, <laughs> it's like we were just discussing off, um, off our live when we was um, talking about uh, the, the, the stupid little short that me and my brother made earlier in the year. Got one of my drunk mates to like literally, I mean, we've been drinking, he just drunk, finished drinking a full bottle of gin. And then he just handed him this camera. I don't know what I was thinking, because if he dropped it, I mean, it was like, that's my livelihood gone. And then handed him this camera, stuck everything on auto mode just so that he could work it and then just press record and then just this stupid thing. But we do, we just love like, we're not well. First of all, we don't care what people think, so that helps. Um, I think that has to help when you're doing any kind of artistic craft. We talked about that loads on on the podcast yeah. with different people. But one of the one of the biggest things I think is it's we've we've comedy writing though, like because we we didn't really write much. We had a very loose script. We, I mean, it turned out to be okay and funny ish, like to us. But it was way funnier making it. Like we struggled like. Mm hell like even getting scenes done like we were rolling on the floor do you ever find that a frustration when you're making something because like you see when you watch the outtakes of Derek have you ever watched any of those yeah yeah I don't find Derek that funny I I find it funny I like I love Ricky Gervais I don't find Mm. that his best work but the outtakes from Derek are the funniest things I've ever watched in my life and yeah his his outtakes are amazing but you know, do you wish like sometimes that's why we decided when we were doing ours like that we would leave mistakes in where possible or laughing or grinning or things like that. Do do you find that 
it's it's sometimes well, it's, you you want to use that. Do you get you know what I'm getting at? Like it's yeah, it, it depends on what they're making. I mean, on, on Ricky Gervais, like his ad takes always the best because he's got the most infectious laugh. Yeah, uh, yes. I, I, I am a big fan of him. In fact, my my girlfriend's a huge fan of him, and it's sort of given me a reawakening in my fandom of him in a way because she enjoys him so much, and yeah. she will just watch YouTube clips of his outtakes. You know, yeah, for hours. Just, yeah, yeah. She just loves them. I love um, the fact that he just laughs at himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I know. I know that people sort of kind of turned on him for a period when um, you know he got very successful, and he just played into that joke of "I'm too successful," you know, too successful, yeah. successful to to take part in these awards and stuff like that. And people got really sort of bitter, and but I, 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 I like. I think maybe at the time I thought that, but um, I realised now it's like that was all just part of the joke, and yeah. he's ultimately British still. That's and I like he's unapologetic. He, you know, he um, he just is funny, um, and he's okay with himself. He's comfortable with himself, and he does what he knows he likes. And yeah, and you got to respect that, really. But no, to answer your question, um, it depends what you're making, so, and and the dynamic of what you're making. So it's really important, like even like a really sort of professional broadcast comedy, which has got lots of money invested in it. And are very expensive. You overrun, you know, your day. So you you've got to finish on time. You've got to, you know, have good time management. It's still got to be fun on set because mm. I think that will always come across on camera, even though it's scripted and people are saying things that have already been planned, or you know, and it, you get to cut together the best takes and you don't see anything behind the scenes. I still think it can influence the atmosphere of what you're making. Yeah. And there's something that inherent then in your footage you can't get rid of if it's a bad atmosphere on set. So it's still got to be a good, fun atmosphere. Yeah. But it's but yes, when there's lots of money involved, it's striking a balance of how you yeah. keep the atmosphere, but you keep moving quickly. Yes. So you, you know, so you've got to have a good first AD. So that the first AD is first assistant director who is isn't really like an assistant to the director. It's a misleading term. They assist the director in that. They do all of the rubbish stuff. So Legwork. They do all of the yeah, keeping the set moving, yeah, like yeah. keeping on time, so the director doesn't have to worry about that. So they're yeah. the ones who will come to you and say in your ear, um, "Get on with it. You're half an hour behind." Yeah. Um, so you know, do you want to stick on this, or do you think there's something you can sacrifice later? And they give you the options, the choices, so you can see in your head, and you still make the decision. But they're the ones running that, and then they have second AD. Who genuinely looks after cast offset and then third AD who's like their assistant on set. Um and, and so they, you know, they run all of that. They're your directing team to yeah. you know, take care of all those other jobs. So you have to have a good person doing that because they're the ones oh, that yeah. no. kind of set a lot of the atmosphere. Like if yeah. their voice Sorry, is barking, you know, because yeah. they're the ones that are really shouting, you rarely hear the director um ever raise their voice. I don't mean raise their voice in annoyed way, I mean raise their voice even to speak to people like loudly because so, generally the first does all of that um and you just chat to the actors chat to your heads of department you know and so generally you know sort of quieter or at least i find on set for me that's what it's like um yeah and so so you kind of just have to have the right team because comedy in particular yeah. well, be, i didn't have any yeah. of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what you have enthusiasm Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, can I just say, sorry, I'm, 
if I keep looking away, grinning, it's because we've got some of the strangest comments ever going on in the comment section. On, okay, I'm not on even here. Well, no, first no. of all, first, the first comment was Donovan that apparently because we're at the top here, I, I think they were suggesting that we should like turn in, towards each other and kiss uh, <laughs> somehow. I don't know how yeah, we do that. And, and then, and then after that, then the comments just start getting a little bit out of order. Um, <laughs> well, they say I should kind of go like that, and just sort of reach off. Yeah, or, and then pull us closer. Or, yeah, or, that's it. There you go. Right. No, I'm not checked yet. I'm not going to check now. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's just put Fargo and Pulp Fiction came out in the same year. True or false? Um, Fargo and Pulp Fiction, that is false. It is false, yeah. Yeah, Pulp Fiction is 1994. Mm -hmm. Fargo, 96. Oh, 96 is what I have in my head, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. Let, let us know if that's correct. We ain't got time to check right now. <laughs> I was gonna. What I wanted to ask you in regards to uh, some of the other work you've done, because I know you've done, you've you've worked with the BBC and obviously Channel Four. So when I look at obviously the the work that you've done uh, yeah. previously for your, your your big ones like your BBCs and your Channel Fours, yeah, um, it it sticks out a little bit from obviously the work that you've created, um, the whole Made in Chelsea, because I know that you've directed a couple of episodes of that. Yeah. Uh, what? How did that come about? And how did you find the experience of that? Because I know that I, I don't know if you're a fan of the show. But... It can't be directed. It's all real life documentary. And that's another thing I was going to say. Don't how let my miss. Don't, don't let. Don't let like Mrs. Here that this is all what? like fixed. With. <laughs> I'll tell you honestly, truthfully about Made Chelsea is that it's. Um, it's more real than people realise. Really? Okay. One of the most sort of frustrating things almost about it is that it gets really like, oh well, but it's all fake, isn't it? But it, but it isn't. <laughs> that's, that's really? What, yeah, that's what's that bizarre. That's a revelation. That's terrifying. That's well, even more scary than. Well, yeah, yeah but this yeah. is why I actually think it's one of the most impressive shows that has been made because of how difficult it is. Like the teams that make Made Chelsea um, are phenomenal, really. Like, in terms of telly, they're the elite, you know, like, you know, in terms of, like, because you, what you've got is all of the challenges of drama because they use full TV crews, um, really um, experienced, um, you know, expensive people um, that would shoot dramas and, and, and scripted comedies. And yeah. so they're lighting it you know, and shooting it in a way that looks beautiful, and that's why it looks so good. Um, but of course, when you get when you get people like that, you've got to do it all within a certain amount of time because again, you overrun and you have all like huge costs. But you're filming real people who aren't actors, so they're not like, oh, well, I better be, I better be on time because yeah. you know, because it's a paid job, or yeah. um, you know, I just got to learn my lines. You know, so so they learn the lines in advance. If they, these are people who, and it is their life. So they they're real relationships, real friendships they're having, um, uh, and they're they're choosing to, for that to be on camera. So they 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 get involved in the show. They know the idea is your life is going to be on camera, and uh, and they're they're doing that because that's what they want. They want that experience. Yeah. You know, um, it's like it's like the ultimate form of vlogging. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah, it's really, yes. really beautiful vlogs. Yes, um, they are very well edited. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah, I so, agree with them myself. To give, to give you like an example, um, 
so like obviously you know you might be a scene where um two people are chatting let's say a date um a, a girl and a guy on a date and then one of their exes walks in and it's like awkward orcs central you know like you know three of them in the love time or whatever you know so you know, so that's a classic example. And you can watch it and go, oh, well, that's stupid. Like, they yeah, just yeah, yeah. turned up, have they? It's mm. like, yeah, obviously, the producers have set set the scene and they know, they plan that this person is to turn up. Um, but then everything that transpires... From there, yeah. ...is their real emotion and their real situation, the real dynamic. That is their ex. They have beef with each other. This is awkward because this is the new person you're on a date with. So there's, so it's not, it's not fake in the people in the, the yeah, yeah. visceral atmosphere and what they say that's all real yeah. but they've you know they've just made sure that situation happens on camera because it yeah. makes good time so so that that's really what it comes down to so i think it's it's, it's more like a, a more like a manipulated re reality in a sense yeah yeah. yeah 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 um yeah because that could happen in real life yes but, good. yeah yeah but most of the time it'll just be by coincidence there won't be cameras there so they yeah. just make sure that happens on camera because that'll be juicy and you know an interesting story. Yeah. So were you? Um, but we, just to explain my involvement with it, it's um, so I have directed on the main show. Um, I did like a stint of four episodes in in 2012. Um, the series that won the BAFTA. What? What? that. That's no. That's cracky. Um, so, um, <laughs> my, the main thing I, I do for the main charity, which when I got involved, it was really early on, it was right at the start, 2011, um, and um, uh, they wanted someone to make little online sort of shorts of the cast, kind of like profile type videos to introduce the cast to people. Um, and they were worried, of course, that no one really liked them. They're like, well, I'll be, we don't know if people are going to like guys on the show because they're already popular they're going to just think they're snobby and not be interested so we want to show their personalities you know online so i had to think of funny little ideas to, uh... you know, really super low budget to make with them and they're kind of you know not not necessarily scripted things at that stage it was it was like um scenarios little, little sort of like documentary type things like i did um so ollie Locke, who's a big character in the show and he's done it from the start at the very beginning i did um, Ollie's makeup tips for men, and it was him doing a, a guide in a mirror about how men can wear makeup and how how to apply it and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was that kind of thing early on, um, and because that was when I was in the very sort of early stages of my directing career, I was still yeah. kind of a one man band. I learned to shoot, edit, choose, yeah. direct, and, and so I sort of did everything. I was, they just left me to it, you know, and uh, and they're just good people. It's a good company, Monkey Kingdom's company to make it. They're, they're just really good, sound, decent people there. And they stick with people they like and they progress to you. And then they gave me a shot at the main show because um, I basically went and made, um, I, I, I was able to, I, I could save my budget. Like I had a budget to make so many shorts for them for this one season. And I just sort of cut, I, I trimmed a bit off the budget for each one until I had a bigger budget at the end and said, well, I want to try and make something a bit more ambitious. And I did a really ridiculous um, uh, sort of high school musical light musical number where three of the guys start what looks like a scene from the show and I shot it like it was a scene from the show. So anyone watching it would just think they're watching a, an outtake, a clip, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just mid-scene, they're like, 
you know, and just, and, and just go to <laughs> And it ends up like a huge pool party with a big, you know, synchronized dance routine. And it was really over the top. And they were like awful singers. It was not very well, like, uh, auto-tuned whatsoever. Um, but it was fun and, and over the top. And, uh, and they loved it. And I think because that showed some promise. That gave you a platform then, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, okay, do you want to have a, a shot at the main show? Because they, they had a window where they're directly covering and so I did that, and I, I got that was the best experience because it just taught me all of the, the challenges, you know. It sounds of, like a, a, a much, a much kind of richer opportunity than I ever realised. Um, yeah, you were well, it made me a better scripted director because by the time I'd done that, um, well, when uh, I was doing that, we were developing Top Coppers, which uh, ended up being my first full comedy series yeah. on telly. And by the time I came to make that. Um, the experience from doing a lot of broadcast telly in main Chelsea and, and some opportunities I got as a result of that, I was like, when I got to a scripted set, I was like trying to do everything that I, I didn't need to do because yeah. you have a huge you team. To do. It, yeah, yeah. yeah but I got used to having to do all that by myself. So I was trying to be the first AD and the first AD is going, don't worry, mate, I've, I've got this. You know, you can, you just, just worry about talking to the actors. I was like, what? Well, I just, Oh, okay. Well, that's all I have to do. <laughs> well, I guess, was that, we've spoken about this before in regards to giving up control. No, uh, on a yeah, it's hard. Uh, was that hard for you or? Giving up control for, uh, in which? Because on... you said you were used to kind of juggling all those balls um, oh, and doing everything yourself, uh, checking everything. Was yeah. it difficult to let go of certain aspects? Yeah, it was. It was at first, but not in a sort of to let go creatively because actually the job, what they were trying to tell me to do was, don't worry about all of that. That's the boring stuff that we're taking care of. You're just you just are the creative. Yeah. Creative. Yeah. So, yeah. so actually, it was really what they were trying to say to me is you've got a much easier job now. Well, don't yeah. make it harder for yourself. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I am. Why am I worrying about whether so and so has arrived on time? Yeah. I just yeah. need to think about this person's delivery and whether that's right for the scene. You know. So the the stuff which is more fun and more interesting. But I got so used to having to think of logistics as well. Yeah, but, um, but you know, but that was good training because I think the more that as a director you know um, how somebody else's job works, the better yeah. a director it makes you. The stronger you become, you become more well-rounded, don't you? Yeah, because you can empathise with what they need to do, and I think if you have no concept of that department and what they do, then you could probably become uh, frustrated and go, oh, "Why is that taking so long?" And then, of course, to them, if you voice that to them and show that kind of attitude, they'll be like, oh, well, well, get lost, quite frankly. Or yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but if you have some understanding of that job and you can empathise, then, then that's obviously just going to get you a lot more respect because you respect what they're doing. So yeah. it's good having had to do everything in a way because yeah. um, that made me better as a director, especially learning like shooting and editing myself. So yeah. doing so many jobs where I had to shoot at them and edit myself. It's just for like little things online mostly. But that meant as a director, I know what I need to get on camera and for what I'll need to get it. Because I've learned all those lessons. I've learned all yeah. the things that can go wrong in an edit where you go, oh, I didn't cover that scene properly. We needed a shot like this because those two shots don't cut together without that shot. And, yeah. and you know that for next time. So yeah. it's a good way to learn. One, one of the things I think I've learned probably the hard way um, with filming, especially like music videos, is I didn't realise just how much pre-work you have to get right to get the mm. colour grading 
part, right? Color grading yeah. is like a science. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's one that it's like mastering in music. I do. I have like studio music. Yeah. That's my yeah. big. Th- that's my main thing. But it's like you, you've done this track, for example. It's great. It's sounding good in the mix. You've got your speakers up great, and then you've got to put the final polish on it, and then somehow you manage to ruin it. And you're mm. like, ah, where, do, where have I gone wrong here? And nine times out of ten, I was thinking. It's something I've done wrong in the mastering process that's messed it up. Where eventually I started working with another producer who's really, really, really experienced. We're hoping we'll get him on the show. And I spent probably two days in the studio with him. And the first thing I noticed, he was doing just one thing completely differently to me. It was just the one thing. And then I immediately took that home. And I was on the computer straight away. And I did what he did to a degree. And mm-hmm. then he instantly made my masters better instantly and but it was because yeah. you know like you were just saying making sure you get the the shot the lighting everything right yeah. in the camera what i was doing because of the technology that is now available was i was recording stuff going yeah that's all right thinking well digitally now i can just fix that in post fix it. yeah 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 and now i don't do that anymore it's yeah. it has to be almost bang on perfect before it gets to that next stage, no, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that you, you do you're right. It, it, that is something that I definitely learned the hard way over the last ten years in music. There is a big similarity, I think, in that in yeah. that part of it. But I mean, again, I, I I would find it really hard to let go of like some engineers. They'll produce a track and then send it off to be mixed and mastered by someone else. I'd find that weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I would as well, but thankfully, that's why I made sure I got into this job because it means you're welcome into every process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you have overall control. control. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you kind of have to do what's right for your personality. So, yeah, um, for example, there was there was a project um, just recently um, where so uh, this this project we're we're doing with. Um, Sky have got a, an animation project that we're um, uh, so Sky have commissioned a script at this stage, and then if they like the script, we'll go on to make a an animatic, which is the um, a very rough animated version where usually there'll yeah. be one or two pictures a second, mm-hmm. um, and just hand drawn, you know, sort yeah. of sketches, just to give us a sense of the timing. You still record voices and everything performances, and then. If that's good, if they're happy with that, then the idea is you get it fully animated, you know. So, so it's a very much a pilot stage. But at, at first, um, Sky naturally, because they didn't, the commissioners who commissioned that didn't know us directly, hadn't met us or anything, me and Andy. Um, and they um, commissioned us to write, but um, said they, you know, they'd obviously look for an editor and a director to make it. And we were like, oh, well, we'll, we'll do that. That, that's what we do because yeah. <laughs> the yeah. my writing partner andy is uh an editor by trade as well right. um so so as in he writes and i write with him we write together and then he edits and i direct so a similar dynamic to um the cohen brothers but to a much less successful standard <laughs> <laughs> so far so, so far so far yes, so very, far. very different style but the same working relationship yeah um, I, um... which works really well which works really well but then so uh, this guy said, oh, but um, I, I, we feel we should get an animation editor and director to do that. And uh, I sort of made the argument, well, that they're really, 
the, the, the main skill set that you want in those roles is like 80% there from live action. And all you have to do is really adapt to the method because the method is very different, admittedly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, not to dismiss any uh, animation editors, directors as it being, you know, no different. I'm sure, you know, um, they, you know, agree it is very different. But, um, but I know the main skill set, especially if it's something you've written yourself, yeah, uh, uh, and you're experienced in those jobs already. Like, I just was confident enough to go, no, I know that we're the right people for that. For this, um, yeah. yeah, and. Uh, and mainly because as well, I know what I'd be like if I wasn't in that role. If I had written something and I am a confident director, yes. which I am, okay. and I had to just stand at the side of the room while somebody else made all the direct decisions. I, I was just sort of like, it won't, yeah. it, it, it won't be a good idea because like, I know I'm the best person for it anyway, and it won't be a good working dynamic because I know my yeah. own personality. And you've kind of got to go by your own personality. Yeah, and so I was saving them from me. It's like, you know, you <laughs> yeah. How did it land? How did, how did, how did no, they take that? Did they, did they no, it, it, it went really well because obviously, you know, we fully respected why they were saying that. And we said, we understand. They don't know us. We can't take it personally. They don't know us. Um, and they're doing what, what, you know, is understandable. That is logical. Well, we're making animation. So you get an anim animation specialist. But I made the case to them why we would be right for it. And, it was our own project and that we have been developing animations for a long time as well. This, this is like a third or fourth that we've developed mm. and it's been a long, long time um, ambition. I've animated things myself as well. I've made stop frame animations. So I understand the process. And, uh, and then I sent an email basically, um, put together an email and uh, they came back and said, well, let's have a meeting and had a meeting. And then he said to the producers afterwards, yeah, I'm happy they, they've shown confidence and, Clearly, it's it's the right thing. You know? yeah. So so they say okay. so, so they change their minds, and uh, we, so if we do go to that stage now, yeah. then we'll ed we'll edit and direct respectively, um, which uh, which was good. That was a good feeling. That was a good yeah. turnaround. Oh yeah, yeah, well, bet, yeah. that brings me on to what I, I was going to ask a question, and then I thought I'm going to move on to another question instead of this question, uh, because from from hearing you talk at the moment, I think people may get the wrong impression that everything you've done has just been very smooth sailing everyone you've worked with has been nice uh <laughs> and very agreeable uh yeah. and i'm sure that is probably not the case That's so maybe, maybe a couple if you throw me out a couple of situations that you've been uh that have been very challenging maybe working with challenging uh talent or um, yeah. people within um the organizations that you're working with Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Uh, no, it, never plain sailing. It's never plain sailing. But then, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be fun because mm. there's the, you know, something satisfying when it's a challenge and you overcome the challenge. Yeah. You know, you just get handed it to you. Then it's like, well, then you know, that's boring. If you're playing computer game, whatever, you don't want to just sail through every level and then complete it. Like, well, that's rubbish. Like you want to, you know, be throwing the, the pad through the screen, you know, and then eventually <laughs> do it. you go, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. and it's so satisfying, you get it. And it's the same. I find it's the same in your career. Like there's so many disappointments mm. all the time. You know, we've had so many um, no's to things and, mm. you know, to projects that we really believe in. And, and we're good. No, and, yeah. 
Yeah, and you're just like, we know that's going to be so good. It'll be, and we can see it working. We can see it being popular. And then someone doesn't agree, and you hear their reasoning, and you go, oh, I just don't understand what those words mean. Yeah. Go on. I was about to say, tell that to the likes of people like J.K. Rowling. Imagine how, imagine mm. how bad the companies must feel that turned her down, 12 yeah. of them, before she got the 13th one. Yeah, and, and the, the Beatles, the other famous one, I think, got turned yeah. down numerous times. times. So many times. Uh, Clint Eastwood got told he'd never be an actor because he'd got too much of a squint. You know, and it's like literally what he built his career on it. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, he's got more of a squint than acting skills, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, do love, I do love him. Uh, well, okay. I do love him. He's a great director. Uh, oh, yeah. a brilliant, brilliant story about him as a director once um, from a crew member here in the UK who said... Um, uh, one of the, the crew asked him a question when he was directing in the UK. Um, and uh, there's a dynamic, particularly on film sets, where the only people that should talk to the director are the heads of department. Sure. And this person was not the head of department. He had a civilian had a boss <laughs> like who, a who should put the question to Clint Eastwood if he needs to. But he asked the question directly to Clint the ear. Yeah, and apparently Clint Eastwood just turned and went, I want you to do your fucking job. <laughs> which i love that's it no, no answer to the question so, and he's like yeah yeah no that, that's all yeah that's pretty good good yeah i'll do that um, <laughs> love it. a bit like tom tom cruise's rant the other day did you see that that was pretty that oh was pretty, yeah that was pretty i fun. think that was valid personally but there you go yeah, yeah. i think his we well, went on a bit long to be fair it but. was good the message, the message as in the meaning behind it is valid like yes yeah, yeah. i don't think he delivered it very well, no. well and i do think the people there could you know uh could claim something against them they're like, you know, I, get, like I, I get oh always oh, hurt their feelings or something like I get, that I get oh, we, we, don't get me on this one as in you know but you know it's not cool like bullying it sort of could be seen as bullying in the workplace because he was picking people out in front of everybody and saying if you do that again you're gone sort of thing and it, it's just employment law generally is not on basically anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but his message was was correct. His message was right, and people shouldn't be getting close at yeah. the moment. But so. I think I, I didn't have any problem with him being angry. For me personally, the only issue I had, and I started to kind of cringe a little bit, it was just a bit overlong. Yeah. Uh, and he'd made his point. Yeah. And there'd be massive pauses, and he'd say the same thing again. And I'm like, okay, yeah, need a bit of an edit. We yeah. get it. We get it. You're yeah. acting now. Relax. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. can get it. Maybe he get it. someone was recording it and he thought, "Oh, this is good. This is yeah, gold." Yeah. Keep, we need right. to keep this, this going. I'm in, I'm in his zone with this one. Um, good PR. Okay, I wanted to. Well, um, I wanted to ask you in regards to you, your, your bio. You mentioned the year 2000 being a quite pivotal year for you. Uh, yes. Yeah. Getting a break. Um, and you mentioned um, it was a, a meeting um, or a moment that involved someone. It was intrigued me that uh, yeah. is known to both Steve and myself. Someone that was known to you both. So, so uh, when I, I so I left school in '99, I did mm -hmm. a year at Stabridge College doing information technology. So, mm -hmm. just because I was like, I'm quite good at computers, I'll try that. Um, not really <laughs> sure what you know at the time what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember doing a project there, and um, I'd been quite creative with how I'd put the project together, sure. you know, the printing. 
And then I remember the tutor coming and slapping it down on the desk in front of me. He went, you do it wrong, you do it again. And then mm. I was walking off. And me being who I am, immediately addressed this with him in the room. I said, Excuse me. I said, what do you mean? If I do it wrong, do it again. Well, what's wrong about it? And he was like, well, you know, what's all this? And basically pointed out all the sort of creative side, if you like, that I'd done to it. He said, it's supposed to look like all the rest. And I was like, well, so what I do needs to look exactly like everybody else's. And he's like, yes. And it was like, light bulb, like, okay, this is not Okay, fun. goodbye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I realized I need to do something creative. Yeah. That's just my personality type. So, so that's, yeah. you know, so no point denying that. And then still not sure what I wanted to do. I wrote a script um, for to make in the summer, like just with mates, you know. Faces. faces. You remember it? Just popped into my head. Oh, my God. I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> Faces. I remember that name because I thought it was a really cool name. Yeah, Faces. And it, I, I, I sort of loosely remember the concept, and it was about missing persons, the idea that people could be plucked from society, and they just become a missing person's case, yeah. and they could turn up somebody else, somewhere else where nobody knows who they are, and they are somebody else, like they've been brainwashed or something. But it was um, – so it was a bit of a, like a thriller-type, you know, noirish type thriller thing, which supposedly is going to film with a load of teenagers in the woods. I don't know how that would end up. Yeah, it was. Thankfully, I was too, so it's all good. Uh, but um, <laughs> so, uh, it, but we, I never actually ended up shooting it. Never made it. But I, wrote, I remember writing that script, you know, to do it, and I gave that script to you, Don. Mm-hmm. Um, you did. Okay, and you showed it to um, a tutor yours. Mm-hmm. I think that you, because you were studying acting at, in Wolves at the time, in Wolverhampton. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you showing it to a tutor um, and and then, and you just relaying the message that they thought it was quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time that anyone, like, because like, I didn't know, again, anyone in the industry or anything like that, but yeah. someone who, you know, specialised in that because... In place of authority. In yeah, the- like, who, who would have some knowledge... Uh, but you know, it's not your mom or dad basically saying it's good. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's somebody else who didn't even know me, so there was no like obligation. They never, and I've still never met them, and yeah. they relate mm. to you as good, and that changed something in my mind. So it was you because you went and did that. So the person who's known to you both is you. That's a weird. That's a weird twist. I I I, I remember faces. I kind of vaguely remember giving it to a man called. Uh, I think it was Dave Allen. I think it might have been Dave Allen. He's a was playwright. It? He's actually on the corner, I believe. Is it? But oh, yeah. Shout out yeah. to Dave yeah. Allen. It, yeah, yeah, I think I think it was. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah, he's getting it's, the shout out anyway. Give him someone else's credit. Twenty years. Is he? Is he? What? Dave Allen. There's a Dave Allen on the corner. Right? They're going. I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's, a, he's a, okay. Um, but um, but no, you know, big thanks to to you and him. Because that's what changed my mindset for of something which I had always done as for fun. Yeah, 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 personal. Yeah. yeah, and and but like always because you know I'm a I'm a boy from a town in the West Midlands with no family in telly or film. Mm. Why would I ever think that was a realistic job prospect? Oh, we've yeah. so had this conversation. Yeah, we've had before. this conversation. So where where you're from, you know, you have to kind yeah. of rise out of that and just keep pushing. Yeah. yeah, you do, and and like and that's what it took. It's like it just took one person saying, "Actually, I think it's quite good," and then I was like, "Oh, that's the thing." I was like, "I love it. It's creative." Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to do it, and I'm I've 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 had parents that 
basically always told me I can do whatever you know I, I can do whatever I put my mind to yeah, you know so over yeah. you know parents are like yeah. like so so believe in you so much that I, I pretty much was convinced when I was four that I was Spider-Man and I climbed up on the garage roof <laughs> in my Spider-Man outfit and I, I walked across the perspex roof between the garage and the house fell through and broke my leg in a spiral break and obviously <laughs> that's when you realised you weren't Spider-Man yeah so, and I realised I wasn't Spider-Man but I bet it was because of my parents like unwieldy <laughs> beliefs so I thought I was so I blame them um, you know, my, so, my, so, like, I just thought I've got to go for it yeah, yeah, from where my, from, I think my, my dad's theory were growing up was you can do anything you like mm. um, as long as you pay your way or move out, and then you can do everything you like uh, at your own abode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can do whatever you like as long as it pays. If it doesn't pay, do yeah. it outside of my home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a logic to it. It's not stopping me from doing what I like. No, exactly, yeah. I'm going to throw off topic just a little bit because this is okay. a ser serious thing I want to talk about now. This is real okay. serious to me because it bugs the life out of me, right? So my, my favorite um, comedy series of all time is Red Dwarf, right? It just, it's just it's genius. I love it. I've watched it a thousand times. I probably know every episode word for word. If they ever needed to remake it, I'm your man. I know every word. But... But here's my problem. Sorry, they did about you were talking about Red Dwarf. I just was close uh, the door. They did about <laughs> six or seven series with canned laughter, mm. and then randomly did one without, mm -hmm. and then went back to canned laughter again. Mm. <laughs> I hate mm. that. <laughs> and so, and I don't know whether it, I I used to hate canned laughter. I used to think like when I used to watch Friends and there'd be a joke and like I'm not laughing but the crowd uh, are going hysterical. I'm sure, I suppose. That, I'm sure Friends was live though, wasn't it? I'm, oh I'm, yeah, Friends was live. That wasn't yeah. canned. Yeah, yes, but, so. but you know, like you we, we, love the track. Yeah, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like, we say, so you hear a joke, like the Big Bang Theory or something like that. That you know, there's just mm -hmm. like he'll say a word and someone will go uh, and what, and then there'll be like this hysterical laughter and he's like, yeah. oh, it's not funny. How in how is that fun? But obviously, I suppose the yeah. theory is that laughter is contagious. So by having the canned laughter, that makes people laugh and mm. therefore think it's funnier than what it is. Because it's the same if you're at a comedy show. You tend to laugh more if people around you are laughing yeah. more. I, I don't but, know, though, Steve. It's, it's pretty subjective, isn't it? But is, mean, that it, program, it's, it's been pretty popular. I, yeah. I don't enjoy it myself, but, yeah, but a lot of people do. But the problem I have with it is not the problem. It's, it's the canned laughter thing. And then they went it's to non-canned canned I used to, I, anyway, I used to think that canned laughter was bad. I was like, why do they do that? If it's funny, just do it. But then as soon as they switch to non-canned laughter, mm. I automatically found it less funny. So it obviously has its purpose. Yeah. Well, is that a thing? What is the what's the science behind it? Explain. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a theory for that in particular. Go on. So, um, the, well, for, so the origins of can laughter re really came from it was a slightly patronising thing to the audience, letting them know when they're supposed to laugh. Yeah, like the big lights come up, applause. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Yeah, laugh now, and it's like we should know when to laugh because we suddenly laugh, like yeah, because it's instinctive. It should um, be involuntary. Yeah. Um, but then, but it was also because the way that telly was watched has evolved a lot. So, um, back in the early days of, of telly, so uh, a good example is um, Police Squad, um, mm. which obviously watched now retrospectively is brilliant and incredibly yeah. funny. Um, 
but that's because when we watch we know we need to really focus on it because there's so many jokes in police squad yes. um, yeah. that you need to focus to spot them and yeah. they yeah. want a laugh track and yeah. the broadcaster was like oh you've got to have a laugh track everything has a laugh track they're like but where would you put a laughter track on the bit where a, a, a stretch has been taken out the door and it's like a mile long and the stretch just keeps going. It's like, at what point do you laugh at that joke? Because you laugh yeah. at it when you notice. But that yes. you could put it at any point. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah. they were like, where do you put it? So they're like, we don't want a laugh track because it kind of ruins it. But then it bombed on telly because people used to watch telly by, um, uh, you know, like they would be doing other things. People yeah. just have telly on as a bit of company in the room yeah, or yeah, yeah. You know, cooking or whatever. Um, so, uh, so people wouldn't necessarily be watching, so they yeah. wouldn't know. The lack of signal. Actually, actually, there's something funny going on on the telly, so yeah. I'll look at that. Yeah, exactly. That so makes a lot of just sense. noise. It was nothing, um, and so it didn't work on telly, and it obviously on video and stuff afterwards. Um, it had a new life. Well, it became Naked Gun, didn't it? It's a precursor to Naked yeah. Gun. Yeah, and they, they got it. That's why there's such a big gap between Police Squad and Naked, Naked. Gun, because it actually. It was only really like as it, it got a while for the cold. Yeah, yeah. To, to, that they then got the opportunity to do the film. But um, but my theory as to why it bothered you when it was gone is because I do think that telly um, and and film um, to extent when you have um, a series of films uh, and if you have a TV series, it's no different to um, uh, like a, a meal, right? So your favorite dinner. Right, it's got all different ingredients in it, and it's all of that combination of ingredients that make that dinner taste exactly the way you like it. Mm. Um, now, one day, some, somebody else makes that, and they put a different ingredient in, just one thing, but it mm. changes something about the taste of it. Yeah, that could still be a nice taste. Yeah, but because you got used to it the other way, you go, what? What's wrong? There's something wrong. Yeah, wrong. and it's yeah. but it's not a bad taste. It's just yes. different. Yeah, and it's yeah, because yeah. you're used to something the way that you like it. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really important when you establish a TV show and it works, that you don't change the ingredients of it. Yeah. And that's why all of the, the tone, the, the um, stylistic choices of the way it's shot, the look of the world, the, the, um, the style of comedy, you need to maintain that because what really a TV show is, is somebody's favorite dinner. And they like, um, or a, or a type of food they like, and that's why sometimes I can be in the mood for a friend. And I can go, oh, I fancy friends tonight, mm. and, or I can come in late and I go, I fancy South Park. I want something a bit, yeah, yeah. stupid, like more outrageous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's the difference between you know, uh, on a normal weeknight, you might want a bit more of a healthier dinner or something normal, but on an after a night out, you need a kebab. So you yeah. need awful. And this yeah. is, you know, I need South Park. I need yeah, something because it's late Andy Bottom. Yeah, it's late <laughs> at night, and and so it's it's just the same thing. And so you want that experience to be yeah. the experience that um, you're expecting. Yeah. So, you, yeah. so when they changed that and take, took the lap track off, they pulled out a key ingredient. Like yeah. even though you don't technically like after track, but you got used to that. That was part of the dinner. That's the part experience. Of the experience. Yeah. That's very true. That's very interesting. I think you've hit. What do you think, Steve? I think that is no. I think, it, I think it's. I think that's very true. I mean, I, I thought that, but it, it's just. It's just. I don't know. I just. It, it is like you get so used to it, and then it was so noticeable when it mm. went away. I was like, why? Why did you do that? I mean, they did have a period where obviously they they had a change of di one of the direct writers. 
as well and directed right. and 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 you could tell like massively yeah. it was only recently they've actually got back together for like series 10 11 and 12 and it's gone back to being as funny as it was in the first six series but there was mm. a period where like like you say maybe it was the director change or the writer change yeah, you know it but it, it, it was it was it, i think it was more than one ingredient that was removed but here's a yeah. question that um because we're hoping to get um i'm speaking to stand-up comedian um, I'm hoping to get on the show. But with stand-up comedy, you get to test your material in live crowds. So you know where, whether stuff's funny, you know whether it's going to bomb when you go out and do your, you know, your tour. Mm-hmm. Different you, things work in different times yeah, as well. Yeah, how do you know when you're going out on TV? Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. You can do regional jokes and you can feed off the crowd if the crowd respond well to a really bad, you know, really sort of like on-the-edge naughty joke. You can, yeah. go, you can go a bit further. How do, how do you gauge that with TV? Because it's it's got to be a lot more difficult, I would imagine, to know. And then it's a lot of work then to actually put it all together for it to then not be good. Do you know what I mean? So how do you know? Well, yeah, that, you, you never really truly do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, That's the short answer. Sort of, obviously, there's lots of people your script go through, um, layers of you know uh, producers, executive producers, commissioners, um, that will feed back on it. Um, and depending on the sort of thing you're making, so for uh, speaking for Andy and I, because we're, we make quite authored shows, which is sort of a bit more unusual in TV comedy. You don't have that so much. And we were a bit of a square peg in a round hole um, when when we were doing Top Cop, our first big series, because it's, it's an unusual setup. It's kind of almost a bit more American in a way. Um, yeah, but what's yeah. typical film, you know, film writer directors in film is like oh yeah yeah that's the thing but it's not so much in tv comedy so um so it was a slightly different process and for us it's about um you, you, you just it literally the, the the really um organic thing of did it really make us laugh when you wrote it yeah uh, and so it, it certainly helps you write with somebody else like uh, people that write alone like yeah. so like John Sullivan, you know, Only Falls and Horses. I've so much respect for him. Oh like, man, one of the grandmasters. He wrote, he wrote alone, didn't he? Grandmaster wrote alone mm-hmm. and wrote, you know, one of the funniest sitcoms of all time. You know, yeah. so it's like, who are you testing your material? Yeah, yeah, like hundreds of writers. Incredible, <laughs> absolute genius. Um, but um, so I find it so writing with Andy is really useful because generally most of the best moments. Um, like all the funniest things we've written, I found have come from us like exchanging ideas, building on what each other are saying. Until suddenly, there's a moment when we just both crack up mm. at the and at, at just picturing it and going, yeah. "That's such a funny image," or "That's such a funny thing to say to that." That's what yeah, really yeah. Say. Yeah. And then what we have to do is really remember how much that made us laugh the first time we heard it. The reason why I'm laughing is I'm I'm remembering something from our uh, from our formative years that I have to bring up. I can't not. But go on. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm worried now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and just you have to remember how how funny you found it in that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because you're going to hear it a thousand times again. Yeah, and yeah. it's not going to be as funny. No, of yeah, course, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
but you got to know but it's it's all about how funny it is the first time because that's yeah. what people will see they'll if be there works, you put it in i suppose yeah. the cast the, the casting as well though of who i suppose who's performing what your ideas as well has got to be super yeah their reactions to it maybe yeah, yeah and that and you know in the cast like just just raise it all to a whole new level when you get a cast mm. with a script you know behind your script and so much of our stuff so much improv that's made it in yeah, you know, like, yeah. like you know, um, little rephrasing that they might find that they end up doing naturally, or yeah, yeah, yeah. creep on the day and go, would the character say like this, or would it be more like that? And you go, oh yeah, that's better. That's more a sort of word they'd use. Yeah, there's a great, there's a bit in Top Coppers, so uh, Mahogany and Rust, <clears throat> um, two uh, sort of main cop characters are talking to their boss Chief, and uh, and uh, Chief is trying to convince them of something, and he says. Um, take <coughs> sorry, hang on. Take it from the lover of another brother's mother. That's um, it. <laughs> yeah, take it from the lover of another brother's mother. And then, and the idea of that we're supposed to say that line, and they look a bit confused. And there was, yeah. you know, a couple more lines to finish the scene. But then John Kearns, who played Russ, like he's obviously, you know, he keeps his eye in the scenes going. And he's trying to he's work like, it out. Got that look, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then he, he said to me, he said, "Should I not say at the end, like, are you sleeping with your mate's wife?" Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, yes. I was like, yes. yes, say that. That's absolutely brilliant. And so for the rest of the scene after Tuesday is taken from the lover of another brother's mother, you see him going, like, thinking about it, and then he just drops it at the end, and he's got to shout, you know, get out, you know, to you know, seal it. And uh, and it was a, a, a great line to the scene, and we realised, actually, that's so much better. And that's a great combination of something that was planned. That's collaboration, so, isn't it? Yeah, and then this a brilliant comedian slash actor you've got, playing the character who just gets it. And, uh, and I love it when those sorts of things, you know, come together. Well, thank I think, uh, I think we're kind of coming towards the, yeah. the end of our time. Did you cut us off after just over an hour? But however, I think we've actually I think gone over okay. the fresh, I think we've gone over the threshold now of uh, followers. Okay. So I think we're I good. Think it's different. Um, it's some um, weird thing that Facebook put in. Like, you have to have so many followers to be able to do streams of certain lengths and stupid oh, really? things. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it was mostly to do with music. A lot of people yeah. doing live streaming music for two hours, doing covers of illegal, uh, illegal covers of songs. <laughs> I think that's part think of the reason. What I want to ask you is about it's it's about the past, unfortunately, but it's not going to be. And it's there's there's no, there's no there's nothing sinister. Don't worry. Sure, it's not sure. in uh, pants. No, I just remember growing up. Well, obviously, we know each other since we're teenagers. I know your family. Yeah. I know your older brother as well. And he is he's very funny, um, mm. but I don't think he he's he wouldn't be able to put. He's a storyteller, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just crying, just tears down coming down my face, telling stories of when you guys were were, were small. Yeah. Uh, and he was quite mean to you um, when you were both young. But that's that was where the comedy came from. Uh, <laughs> it was. Yeah. But it really, well, I'm not telling a lie there. However, no. uh, do would you find? Because it is a question. Uh, so I think mm. things we found similar things funny. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I brought over, I discovered Eddie Izzard and I brought the, the DVD yeah. straight over to yours. And that was it, you know. Uh, I didn't know how much you knew about him, but I didn't know much at that time. So it was, I thought we kind of very much discovered. I think you introduced me to Eddie Izzard. Um, so how much of your um, past experiences kind of um, 
funny family situations. I, I did notice, I think, one or two moments in Top Coppers that had your personality on it because there were like little phrasings that, mm. that were said in the past when we were kind of knocking around together. And I was like, yeah, there's a bit where my wife looks at me and went, didn't you guys used to say things like that? <laughs> That's keen, that part is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, so how much has your like kind of life experiences informed your work? And I've got to tell this story after you've answered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, loads. Like, I mean, there's loads of little nods in top coppers like that and, and fr phrasings because you've got like comedy's best coming from like an honest place. Real, yeah. Um, and so if you're writing what you know, what's funny to you, but also yeah. your own experiences, there'll always be someone that relates to that. So even yeah. though Top Coppers is such a, a mad, like, other, otherworldly type show, we still wanted it to be relatable in this really British way. So even though there's very few British elements identifiable yeah. in it, it's yeah. still meant to be an incredibly British show because you just can feel it in the tone and the humour and the way they speak to each other. And, yeah. and there's loads of nods in there. I put a quote in. That was my grandpa's mm. thing, which I wanted to get in there, which was um, uh, when um, Zach, uh, the the small boy that works in the police station. Yeah, yeah, he's just inexplicably worked there. Yeah. Inexplicably, never explained. Um, <laughs> he uh, He's going to get into a fight with Mahogany, and he says, do you want death or sudden death? <laughs> um, which was, like, we thought was a funny line because it's coming from a child, so it's yeah. ludicrous. But my grandpa used to say that to us as kids, and... Uh, left hand oh, right um, is that from the Irish side is it no that, that was that was the that's West the back country side that is yeah <laughs> oh, um, that sounds yeah. about right <laughs> that sounds about right yeah um, and oh. uh, so there's loads yeah, there's loads of little nods you've got to write you know and and actually if anything we we've been guilty of not doing that enough yeah because uh, I think when you're younger you don't re realise that enough and I think as you get older you start to realize i just need to write like stuff that's happened to me stuff wise yeah. stuff i know because that stuff is funny there's yeah. nothing funnier than real life See, so it really I isn't and now there's something we're developing at the moment which we haven't got um um a way like with a broadcast or anything yet um because we want it to to want to get the right commission if you know what i mean for it which is and it's something which is but it's basically a story of our families, mine and Andy's families. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously, you know, with character, different character names, but pretty much every member of our family is, is in some way accounted for in the character. character. In it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, our, our families don't even know yet. Um, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> bothered. Um, but um, but it, it, it's like I realised, actually, I've got quite an unusual family. It's a family of, like, entrepreneurs. Um, my, my older brother, Sir Ryan, who you mentioned, is... Um, He's like the Dell boy of the West Midlands. Um, and uh, it's always like got these different, like mad business ideas and mm -hmm. trying his hand at this and that. And it makes a great success at some, he not does, yeah, yeah. but he's, but he is the most determined, hardworking bloke. I, I know it's, he's relentless. And then my younger brother works for my parents and they run um, a market company like and they run retail markets and stuff. And um, and so that sort of odd dynamic where they're all partners as well in the business. My mum, my dad, and my younger brother. Um, you know, um, so my young brother's now on the same level as my parents, and they've run it since before he was born. Yeah. So really weird for them now. They've got like their son is like yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and so uh, I just realised like I could write. You know, there's something funny in this, like a family 
We're all trying their hand at different things. They're all pulling apart in different directions. Um, And so, you know, I think that's um, that's just important to do. And I think anyone looking to do this kind of thing, just do do right what you know. Um, We we have a similar situation in our family, mostly with my mother. Now, hopefully she's not listening. Um, Because, but again, I think would other people find it funny? Again, that's the thing I come back to because we've had this running joke now for possibly about 25 years that she should be wearing a hearing aid, like genuinely, like there's a problem and she will not have any of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like little stupid things like she'll walk and just things she says like you know and i know greg davis does this a lot he's probably the best at it like talking about his mom on stage but, mom, oh, yeah. yeah but like like my mom like we used to we, we've got kids we used to run a kids football team and the kids still joke about the stuff she come out with now like one of the kids one game comes running over as loud as you like stood about 10 feet away not far just literally say did jewel throw me the jaffa cakes and my mom responds with hedgehog what do you want a hedgehog for? And you're like... That's badly, Freddy. And you're like, what? But in, 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 if that was just one incident, it probably wouldn't be that funny. But then, like, the, the same day, I specifically yeah. remember my Auntie Beverly popping round and saying, I've got to get off because I've got all the freezer stuff in the boot of the car. And my mum, she's oh, well, you should have said, we've got, we've, Martin's got loads of nails in the shed. <laughs> I love this kind of thing. In fact, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend lives for those kind of stories because she does that sort of thing all the time. How, like you know, but well, yeah, I just okay, crazy. Oh, there's a couple. Okay, I did mention this off air. Um, I really want to break this one. I want to. I'm going to break the pact for this oh, one. No, you're not. Okay, I won't then. I'm going to oh. go on the one. There. <laughs> do I'm you not, remember? A pact. Hang on a minute. This is an exclusive. Do, do you remember? Um, you, my cousin, uh, my cousin, Julian, uh, yeah, we, we, we'd gone out, um, I think it was Waterfront or something like that, yeah. or we just went for a few drinks. And for some reason, and we weren't little kids, do you mean? We were of drinking age. So we were like 19, 18, 19, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you have the, the Merry Hill Centre in, in Dudley. So it's a big shopping mall. There's Merry a cinema Hill. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on, uh, but it's all in a, in a kind of chasm. So it's in a boat, it's in a, in a, in a kind of basin kind of thing. So all yeah. sort of things are going on at the bottom. And then you have all the bars at the top and there's this massive grass verge. It's almost vertical grass from verge. Edge, from the KFC down to the, the yeah. UCR. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were kind of, we, weren't, we were dressed quite smartly because when you're younger, you dress smart to go out, don't you? Uh, as was, uh, was as was the start of the time. Yeah, and you've been German shirts, yeah. And you kick it. Yeah. For some reason, we felt a little bit, you know, we wanted to kind of relive our kind of uh, kid days. And I think it was your idea, Keith, to have a race down this vertical grass hill. <laughs> so, and then me and my cousin, we just went, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just start sprinting down this hill. It's never been a better idea. Was it like that cheese uh, chasing thing they do? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like that, yeah. So, so, anyway, it was dark as well at the time. This is quite important to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so we started lamping it down this hill all the way to the bottom. Uh, and we're competitive guys, you know what I mean? We all wanted to win. Mm. Uh, we were really, really giving it some. What we didn't realise is at the bottom of this hill, and not it doesn't, the hill doesn't even 
go out into a um, a flat, there's just a gate, <laughs> <laughs> and it's separated by, by um, wooden bollards, and every meter or so, there's wire. There's wire mesh. Thin <laughs> wire. One, one, one that be seen in the dark. One that hits you around there, and one that hits you in the knee area. Yeah, well, it it, it basically hit you perfectly balanced. So, so you do, you don't hit it and then flip. It hit and it hits you there and there. So it perfectly sends you forward and then sends you backwards. We went into this full pelt, all three of us, and we all just went boom. <laughs> Perfectly went on this one. Straight back. Look at each other go, what's happening while we go backwards? <laughs> the pain was incredible. The pain was incredible. I had a proper clip across my chair. But the lap, but. Oh, God, we, we laughed so hard. I was crying. I couldn't get up. Just three, just three of us lying on the bank next to each other like that. Oh, the thing is, what one of us hit it first. So <laughs> yeah. the last thing the person <laughs> behind would have seen is the person going, Why are you going behind me? <laughs> just going. <laughs> and then you're gone as well. You don't have time. So <laughs> why are they going back? There's, there's one thing, hitting something and knowing you're gonna hit it. There's another thing, running confidently into wire mesh. <laughs> Anyway, I love stories like that, though. It's that was just, really painful, but very, very funny. Because, they're oh. only, because they are funny to share, but in the moment, there's never anything funnier. Like, we, we had a downhill incident with my bro, Mike, <laughs> and it was the similar. We was going down on, I was running and he was going down on a bike. So I was running, ended up rolling, and I'm running. Mike's bombing down the hill on his bike, and all of a sudden, his bike disappears. But he's still in. I, rem- I was only about twelve. But he was still in a cycling position as he was flying through the air, and just kind of. And he just got. But his bike was gone. We couldn't find it. It had just fallen down a big hole. But somehow the bike, the bike had managed to fall down a big hole, and he continued his trajectory perfectly. Well, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like it's <laughs> still like this. But. But like moments like that are just—I don't yeah. know whether you, I don't know whether if you tried to recreate that as a like a film, if they, oh, they couldn't really ever be as funny, funny, could they? No, it's nothing's funnier than real life. Yeah, there's too much moving part. It's not simple yeah. enough. You have to, you have to be told it because mm-hmm. it's not visually. I'm sure if someone was <laughs> watching Smart that, enough, it would be yeah. quite funny. Three idiots yes. running into white <laughs> mesh. <laughs> It reminds but me I of something they would have done on like um, what was the program with the teenagers? You know the ones that were in between us. In between us, yeah, that yeah, something like that. It's something like yeah. they would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I love it. There's so <sighs> many ideas. But how this is one. This is one thing. I'm going to try and keep this one short because we are we have gone out quite long on the, on this one. But you know the um, you know when you have how do you control your ideas? Because one of my biggest problems. Is I have so many ideas that I end up not getting my, not getting the ones done that I should get done, because I'll start I'll, I'll have an idea I'll start something boom that's that the project mm. and then all of a sudden I'll be like shit no I've got this other idea and then I'll boom and then I'm trying to juggle like twelve ideas. Mm. I know of, I've been on the other side of your messenger messenger. <laughs> I'm uh, like, yeah. Okay, what is it, what is it this week? What? 
my, my brain don't my brain never turns off i've got i've got thousands of ideas constantly drumming around in my head and no way to put them out at the moment like you know what i mean so like how do you control that i mean, you get to work on some of your ideas which is great and put them out but what about the ones that yeah not all though clearly yeah, yeah not all of them yeah. clear because no, you, can't, you just can't how do you i just find the whole picking process really difficult like which one of the the ideas because to me, all my ideas are great, <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> but, but that's to me. So, like, that's picking... good. I mean, that's a good place to be if, to have that sort of self belief in your ideas. <laughs> I like, don't think I, I do think all my ideas are great. That's my ideas are That's not a good idea. Don, Donovan um, has often heard me refer to myself as a genius, and he will, <laughs> he will vouch for that. No, no, you did correct me once because you you told me your idea, and I went, "That's a good idea," and he went, "No." <laughs> It's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> he corrected his own uh, quality of idea, which is quite cool. <laughs> Wrong there by saying that's a good idea. <laughs> I think, how, how do I control? My, well, I don't know. Like, uh, I think, like, again, it helps having a writing partner. Yes, I suppose, yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we're like, Andy and I are best friends as well. Like, we met at uni. Um, funnily enough, we weren't actually... Sort of, we were friends of friends at uni, and then we, we um, <clears throat> lots of people left. I, I stayed to do a master's, and so everybody else left, and he stayed to do some sort of teaching, like um, first years. So we sort of became friends by default, is how we always say it, because we lived with <laughs> nobody else. Um, we, we only two people knew each other, but it turned out we actually liked each other. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it did help a lot. And so, uh, but because our uh, friendship started by school working together we became friends then when we were like making little shorts and stuff little comedy shorts mm. whilst um, i was still at uni it's like um you know how like blade was like born just as his mom was transitioning to a vampire <laughs> it's like that for our relationship so we ended up with all of the strengths of a friendship and all the strengths of a professional working partnership yeah, yeah. none of the weaknesses of either um, <laughs> So, so it's never been complicated in that we're friends and working partnership. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think having that relationship has helped because, you know, they always keep you in check. Like, if you have an idea and, and you know, it is it is like, um, it's unwieldy if you are on something and then you go, oh, well, actually, let's do that. Um, and, and then you go, oh, but we didn't finish that other thing. And then it's like you're trying to juggle too many things. Or yeah, you're trying yeah. to trying to do all the housework all at the same time and mm. you're just leaving more of a mess you know um and you know like when you're editing as an example you can't really work like that and andy as the editor you can't bear that if, if you're like you give a note and he starts working on that and you, and you see you something can. else and you go oh wait oh we wanted to change that as well he'll go hang, hang, no, sorry, no, hang on hang on hang on we're doing this for you know, yeah, you know, it is, and absolutely, like, because you because yeah. you'll just lose track otherwise. So I think you kind of, especially when you start doing it kind of professionally, you just get into a rhythm where you have to, or you'll go mad in a way. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. What, what I do is so that you don't forget. It's like I, I use like notes on my, on my phone. I'll just yeah. you know voice with notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we did. I did do that. So Andy and I have a WhatsApp group as well. That's for writing ideas. And when I started that. I, I would, would do voice notes and he was like well how are we ever going to search them and like, that's a good point so yeah. we've started just we just write uh writing ideas to each other so that yeah. if you if you go hang on wasn't there a funny thing about a sheep you can search sheep and you'll yeah, find yeah, it so, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, you know, I so that's a great way that you can have all those crazy ideas but you still 
you, you don't lose them. They don't just go away because you yeah, work yeah. on something. Yeah, I, make them out and go back to another time. I definitely think that's a really like big problem I have because like I was just saying to I don't know if I said it to Donovan or someone else yesterday. I had a bit of a lull during this lockdown where I've not really created much in the way of music, and then in the last probably three weeks, I've created sixty new music tracks that all need mm. lyrics, and I haven't sat down mm. and finished one of them. But I've got sixty new songs sitting there ready to go, <laughs> and yeah. it's like I, I, that's something I battle with like all the time. We got just mm. I, move, I, I have like a new melody idea come up, and instead of just recording the melody and then just leaving it to one side for a bit, it's like nope, I've got to work on it right now because it's just coming in my head. Like, and I hate that. Well, that's that's why I never sleep. <laughs> I think that's, that's very similar with any person that's creative, Jimmy. And I've got books, yeah. books of notes, poems, yeah. short mm. story ideas, and then they'll be all over my laptop. And like This scene starts a book. I've got nothing else, but it's a really strong beginning to a book. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's happened seven times that I've actually started a story and I've got to the end, Jimmy. and mm. ended up getting published, which was great. But the, the the process, I don't know about you, but with 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 some with writing, uh, I know it's a different discipline when you're writing uh, fiction novels because it's a it's a longer process. Yeah. Uh, however, when you feel like you've you've completed something, uh, do you ever feel that this is a question, I guess, for for both of you really? Do you ever feel like okay, how am I going to do that again? How am I going to hit? That kind of zeitgeist again. I, I don't know if do you have that any doubt? Do you ever have any moments of doubt that you you feel okay? That was good. That was successful. I don't know at this point if you were to ask me now. I don't know if you've got that in me again. <clears throat> any, yeah. Anything like that? Um. Well, I mean, like, go on. So I was just going to say I try. Um, like, if I look at the things I did with my previous band that you know of. And I look at all the big shows yeah. that we got to play and the support <clears throat> shows and all the big, you know. And then I did that thing when I started filming, I worked with Judas Priest and, you know, and I, and I look at stuff like that and I'm like, well, am I ever going to work with someone as big as Judas Priest ever again? So everything I do after that is going to be worse than that. And like the way I look at it now is, is like, and I did think that for a while, but now it's just, I have to just think of everything as its own individual piece of work. Like you, yeah. rather than you comparing it to a previous piece, it just happened yeah. to be that that was a bigger thing that worked out and paid a bit more money. But it, it doesn't mean that the other stuff that I'm doing is any worse. It just mm. means that it's just not maybe as, um, it's not caught as wide a net as the other stuff yeah. that I've done. Yeah. So I don't yeah. really think about that, to be fair. I just try and treat mm. everything individual. Only so married to the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Like, uh, I mean, certainly you have self doubt. Um, you know, self doubt is like, you know, it's um, it's just something you'd always deal with. As a it? Yeah, it just happens. Yeah, it just happens. You have to have, have it, it those all. Yeah, because it's also like, part of your driver as well, like what drives you to do it and, and you know, to prove your, you know, that wrong. Perhaps, yeah. you know, you know. Mm. Um, so, so I do have that. I think I don't think I ever think you know was that is was that it was that like uh, like for, so top covers was our biggest show, you know. So I don't think I ever think like oh was that the the one sh you know show I have in me because mm. um, because I, I know that's not you know that's, that's not okay. The case. Yeah. I, like I, I know we we got loads of like um, shows uh, loads of concepts um, you know uh, pitch documents. Um, 
I mean, we've probably got, I'm trying to think roughly, probably like 30 different projects, like as in um, different ideas that we've written up as pitch docs or one yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, that I'm pretty confident at least five to 10% of them will be really good shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, if we've got the opportunity. So, but but it's a tough game, you know, to, to get those commissions. To how get how do you think, how do you think, how do you think though now, like one of the reasons why we thought of started making the short films, um, you know, like the stupid one I sent you earlier. One of the hmm. reasons why we thought we'd start doing that is because we just figured, well, YouTube now is a platform where there really doesn't allow for any excuses for creatives because it's like we can put that thing out and we've got no one got to commission it. We've got no one got to worry about what budget we spent on it, how long it's took us to make it or whatever. It's just make it, put it out, see what the response is. That's kind of like what I did with, you know, with music um, originally, just started making stuff in my bedroom, putting stuff out. Then I got into a studio but it was the fact that I was just willing to just stick it out somewhere and just see. But yeah. we we did an episode ages ago, didn't we? Don't where we we think that platforms like YouTube, Netflix, and things like that have benefited the industry and made better content, or whether it well, satura saturated it. We had a discussion I, about whether it has or not, whether it's whether it's hurting. Being good for the industry. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, what I'd say is, um, like to. to, to to get into comedy, whether you're as a performer or writer, director, um, or, or even producer, the, the best thing to do is just to do it. Like you yeah. just yeah, to yeah. go and do it. Yeah. Um, people will only sort of trust you to do it, and they see that you can do it. Yeah. And, and now, you know, there's never been a better time because you say with YouTube and um, with all of us with our own like camcorder equipment in our pockets, basically. Wow, well, um, these these things know, are changing the world. Like absolutely, like you could literally, you could make something. You you could just happen to be in the right moment and film something that you put on YouTube, and you make an absolute fortune. Like, yeah. like you yeah. know, so that, that that's what's so strange, um, you know. But to give you an example from from our experience, we did that. So like I started out in the industry like about 2006 when I went and became a runner. <clears throat> and I was working my way at runner, researcher, assistant producer, that kind of thing. And I kept making little shorts at the same time. Mm -hmm. So my ambition yeah. was to be a director. And but there's no real route to direct. It's not like if you work in finance or, or you know, or, yeah, or in law steps. where you, you yeah, yeah, you do a certain amount and eventually you're that role. Um mm -hmm. it's different. It I uh, saw someone make a really good comparison recently, which is it's no different to like if you're a painter. It's not yeah. like you you work as the person that just hands them the pots. Until eventually they let you paint yeah, yeah, yeah. something. It's like you paint something and someone goes, You're a really good painter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're a painter. Again and again and again. Right? And, or yeah. you, you keep painting yeah, and you get better. Yeah. And then eventually people go, You're a painter. You're really good. Well, it's, that, it's the repetition thing, isn't it, as well? Like, you know, yeah. people are always asking, How do you get the confidence to just keep getting up and doing all these different things? And it's like, it's repetition. You know, mm. you do something enough times to the point where you can't really do it wrong it's it's mm, that's the better. whole yeah just you keep just, yeah you get better at it like you practice anything like you know even mm. fitness like you know the more um working out you do the fitter your body gets like the more yeah. you make shorts and and throw things out you better better you get at it and yeah. so like we you know i was doing that working in telly still making little shorts and it got to a point and i thought okay i need to 
I need to do something that's more of a, uh, a showpiece, something that I could say, okay, I am a director. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so that's when we planned the Top Coppers miniseries and made six, like, five-minute episodes, which Donovan made a cameo in as well. I can't remember. Do you not remember? You were, you were, like, you were one of sort of the henchmen in a scene where, scene with, like, a, a, a guy who was smuggling hats. It was, oh. it was, like, it was like, a big... Um, I still got yeah, them by the looks of it. Still got one on. No, no, I was just his henchman. This is my, uh, this is my pay. Uh, I think this yeah. was the outfit you were wearing at the time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a classic look. It's timeless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. We made, yeah, so that was like all shot up in in Stourbridge, oh, in yeah. around Stourbridge, and, and convince loads of people just to work on it. You know, to, like invest in the project with their time. Mm. Um, and we sort of self-funded it and got everyone up to Midlands for a couple of weeks. All slept on the top floor of my brother's pub. Which was all sort of, you know, disused. It was just a load of like empty, you know, barren, you know, bare rooms. Um, I had actually had this weird graffiti that said uh, um, Lesser HQ, because apparently some lesbians had squatted up there for some time. And then there was loads of really graphic lesbian graffiti all over the wall. They're actually, they're actually field based lesers, but that's where they come. That's when they hot desk. Yeah. Yeah, not the PC. <laughs> but then that's the PC in the production. No, 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 I'm referring to the to the graffiti. <laughs> to the graffiti, yes, exactly. Yeah, um, but that, that became known as Laser HQ in the oh, production. It, we, we didn't even call it production at HQ, you know. Yeah, I mean it was big graffiti. You couldn't ignore it. Yeah, well, I mean, you, we won't get into that debate, the PC brigade and all of the rest no, of it, because no, that, yeah, that, that, be like, that 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 hinders every every yeah, type no, of artistic medium anyway. So if it wasn't there. Um, it would be more difficult for people coming out that do want to do kind of shock comedy. If there's no one to shock, yeah. shock guys. So oh, it more must point- be people like people like Frankie Boyle. Yeah, people like Frankie well, Boyle. Like just going to what you do, what you was just saying then though. What, people like Frankie Boyle must be loving this generation because they're so easy to shock. It's ridiculous. There is a line because he did get taken off the TV for a while, didn't he? Yes, he, he got cool off for a while. <laughs> don't repeat that. We don't want this getting taken off. Yeah, he did get sent to cool off for a while, but uh, he's being yeah. back. Yeah, just, yeah. just calm down, Frank. Yeah. So good advice, anyway, to end on that was I think. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get if you're out there, we do keep saying this pretty much at the end of every show, don't we? If every you've got, well, yeah, do it. If we've got work. <laughs> If you've got work that you're working on, paintings, pictures, music, singing, whatever it is, just get it out, put it on the corner. Mm. It's a safe place. Yeah. That's what we're here. That's what the group was designed for, uh, for people to take their art, put it on there, share it with the world. Some people are professionals, some people are complete amateurs starting out, but you've got to start somewhere. So, mate, thank you very, very Pleasure. much for joining us. We probably could have got on for hours, to be fair, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. Maybe we'll get you back again sometime in the future, man. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you very much. And don't forget... Don't, yeah. yeah, don't forget everybody that um, the audio experience of this podcast will be up live tomorrow. Um, it'll go up around midday, uh, then onwards. So Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, it will be there. So enjoy. Thank you very much. Listen to my voice. How nice. Such a nice voice to listen to for over an hour. You're going yeah. to fall asleep to this tonight, aren't you, King? Like, yeah. No, mate, like <laughs> yeah. 90, Ninety minutes of listening to yourself. Go for, go fill your boots. It's my dream. <laughs> <laughs>
Cool, guys. It's been emotional. Mate, see you later, guys. Bye.